We are back this week. We have the one, the only, the fabulous Sheila Hojabri. Um, so we have known Sheila for a damn long time, mm-hmm. like really long time. Like Cassie and I were little munchkins in Nashville. Sheila was kind of a little munchkin in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And we met while she was working on a project called Big and Rich. Uh, Big and Rich is like, to me, like a country party band. <laughs> That's the way I would put it. That's like perfect. accurate. Very accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Could we call them the chain smokers of country music? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's just what came to mind. I haven't heard that one before, but it kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. They put on a show, Mm -hmm. a show. Um, We don't need to get too far into them, but. I feel like it kind of like a Post Malone vibe a little bit. Yeah. Like in terms of energy. I feel like Big Kenny and Post Malone could definitely smoke some weed together. Post Malone might be Big Kenny's kid. Like it's, yeah, that's definitely, I could see that. This, I really like this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I feel like I feel like Post Malone could be Big Kenny and Trey Cyrus's kid. Ooh, yes. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. So the funny thing about Big and Rich, though, like we're talking about what a party, like they were like a definitive party duo, but their one song that went number one was actually a ballad. Yeah. Was that the war war song? Um, no, it was for uh, Lost in This Moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which is so funny when you think about it, because that's not what you associate with them, but that's what number one. So that was bigger than Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Well, how do you define bigger, you know? Sales-wise, I guess I'm asking. I think sales-wise, Save a Horse was was bigger. But, oh, okay. But it didn't it. go but to it number, one. Go number one. Yeah. Got it. Got mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It did. It did not spawn stickers and bumper stickers down Broadway. Right. <laughs> uh, or, or underwear in our from the merchandise. Oh, <laughs> probably in a lot of weddings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, both songs are perfect for weddings. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Like you dance to one, and then you dance and- to the other. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Good old old Southern weddings, you know. Um, So Sheila, we've got to ask you the question. How did you get backstage? Where was, where did the dream spark? Yeah. Tell us the story. What were the steps to get there? And, you know, I I do want to mention you've been in music for 17 years. So it, you know, we only have 45 minutes, (laughs) Um, but sum it up for us. Tell us the key points there. Yeah. Um, I think similar to you guys. I mean, I was going to shows as a teenager and and big boy band fan as well. And I was team in sync, but like not in a Backstreet Boys suck kind of way. It was very much like, look at how great this, this whole movement is right now. Um, and, you know, I'd be at shows and I was like, watching what was happening before and everybody working and and yeah it was great watching the show but then I'd be like, oh my God, look at the audience reacting to this and these moments and you're just like, I want to do this. Like, this is kind of cool. Um, and I, I, I don't even know what program it was that I used, but we had some sort of program in high school that you could like go and, and put in like something you're interested in and it'd give you like majors at schools. And I was mm. like, I just typed in music business or music industry and mm. like three or four colleges came up and I was like, wait, 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 I can do this. Like I can major in this, like actually go forward with it. And that just snowballed the whole thing for me that really kicked it off and I was like okay now I've got a plan I know what I want to do and I just went from there and it like yeah snowball is I mean like 
The use of that program would have probably, you know, the wide use of that program would have probably prevented this podcast from happening. (laughs) (laughs) You just described what I wanted, like the magic button I wanted to push in high school. Cassie was in the same place. Like we didn't know how to get here. And that Mm -hmm. was a big reason we, and we, you know, it's still difficult for people. And even if you do figure out a college, it's still difficult, um, especially after college. So the reason we started this podcast was to kind of be that program. <laughs> so yeah, like, you can do this. <laughs> there are ways to do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it was also then from there it was also then convincing my parents that like, mm. this is a job. I want to do this. I'm really yeah. interested in this. And like, they were, and where are you from? I'm from San Diego. Mm. So moving to Nashville, I went to Belmont and moving to Nashville. I mean, that was a big move at that point, yeah. especially Nashville at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were super supportive. Um, but my dad very clearly, like, as they're dropping me off, he was just like, we are supporting you. We love you. you we want you to follow this dream. However, if you change your major, you're coming home. <laughs> they were like, we're, we're not, we're not doing this private school business. If, uh, if you decide to become a communications major, like, no, 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 we're doing this for the music business. So, which I was very grateful and thankful for. And, and I went forth with that in mind that like, if I don't stick with this, got to come back. So what were some of the things that, you know, it's interesting. Cause I talk about this a lot now. When did you graduate Belmont? Um, I was a, I was a, winter uh, 05 graduate. Oh, it was the winter 06. Ah. And you know, it's interesting though, because like I talk about my experience at MTSU from that perspective. And I think about it, I'm like, wow, that was like 16 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's, you know, we do a lot of programming about what it's like now and all that kind of stuff. But for you, what were kind of some of the, the cool things? Cause I think this still applies that you were able to do while going to school in Nashville. Like literally, I mean, I can look out my window where I live right now and I can see Music Row to the left, Belmont to the right. It's it's sitting at the end of what we call Music Row. Um, you know, for me, school was, it wasn't about the classes and the, the actual school part of it. It was about the opportunities mm-hmm. that being in Nashville, being at Belmont provided. So they had service corps where we would do, we would work events. Um, I was a talent escort at, award shows and, and on the red carpet when I was 20 years old. Wait, uh, let's talk about that. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about that. That's a fun subject. So yeah, so we all did this. Like Cassie and I, I remember we did it one year all together. It was like us and our friend Kathy at the CMA Awards yeah. at Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Taylor yeah. Swift in person for the first time. I think she was 16 years old and she looked like a princess. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting on the floor at the end of the night over it yes. and Alan Jackson making some comment to me that I looked over it um, <laughs> and that I could go drink soon. Um, Cassie yeah. was assigned. Who were you assigned? I had, so I had George Street. They gave me two people, which was oh. not nice um, to do. Yeah. So they gave me, they're like, you get the two Hall of Fame inductees i got sunny james and george Strait, and you can't watch two people no nope. <laughs> so i lost one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah because sunny this george Strait had a giant posse with them and sunny james literally like somebody dropped him off by himself <laughs> so i helped and he him. was probably like 80 he was you know he was yeah he he actually like needed help so i think that yeah. that's where i, I kind of uh yeah my time because he he really needed it well I got two people but they were married so that was really easy I had Amy Grant and Vince Gill the nicest people ever like it was actually I think I was kind of just bored because they were very much like oh we don't need anything and at one point Amy Grant asked me to get her a plate of vegetables 
<laughs> and so I got her plate of vegetables. Right. That was like the only thing I did. But you know, what your what, what artist did you ever get assigned? Sheila? Oh my goodness. Um I I think I've blocked out that whole time. You know what? Actually, well, I got big and rich. That was the funny thing. Is I had big and rich one year. Um, I wanna say it was at it was either at the CMT Awards or the CMA Awards. And talking about, I, I think my whole my whole career has been a lot of like full circle moments. And that became a full circle moment for me. I, I was with them mm. all day because, and you know, you guys remember radio remotes. So we would we would do radio mm-hmm. remotes as well with the artists. And then, and I had big and rich all day long. So I was with them when they got there at 8 a.m. that morning. They had rehearsal. It was like a whole thing. And I got to spend the whole day with them, which was a very long day. However, I met the team. The team got to meet me. They got to see what I was able to do. And then when they were looking to hire, I had a, I had a friend who I went to college with who was one of their audio guys. And then he put my name in the hat. And they remembered me, though, from when I was their talent escort. And that's so, awesome. That's yeah. Yeah, that's quite a story. That's why you got to do these yeah, things, you guys. Absolutely. They, things can happen from them, you know. And also, like, for, you know, what I got out of it, I feel like, was just seeing how an award show worked. So yes. kind of what they use the, um, and you also get paid because you have to legally get paid. So you like a hundred bucks. Okay, I didn't, I did not get paid. Um, I just want to throw that in. Oh, you didn't get paid? I think we got a hundred bucks. We did not get um, paid. Yeah, we had to like turn our tax form and like paid you cash or whatever. But, um, but you know, the, the thing that they use the college talent for really is you got to remember like, when you're think about when you're putting on just a regular concert, you know, I'm, I'm at the Backstreet Boys show. I need to make sure all five Backstreet Boys get on stage. That's it five um if i you know so you have a tm that does that if i'm in an award show and i'm producing the award show i have to make sure a hundred different talent you know get on stage and knowing where they're at at all times are they in the dressing room are they in catering are they where they need to be to be called on where stage? are their seats that's where are their seats yeah and, and so yeah going to their <laughs> yeah. seats getting and then they're like uh, can I leave my seat and get a drink? And then you have to get like, uh, what do you call them? Seat fillers to come in. So when they make the shot for TV, it doesn't look empty. It's a whole thing. It's a very big production, you know? And so what the, the college kids do is you're all on a headset. And so you can be like, I lost George Strait or I got big and rich right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it is a, I think it's a great thing for everybody to do for two reasons. One, you get that exposure. To the to the award show yeah. and and what that day is like and and dealing just mm-hmm. being on set or on site for a whole day like that like that's I mean we've all done that at this point you know um, yeah. and I think too it's also when you get on the other side of it understanding when when the talent escort is being like okay well we've got ten minutes blah 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 I'm always like okay but like do we really have ten minutes or we got fifteen minutes right like. <laughs> I don't, you kind of got to, you want to know, and it helps to know what these guys are going through as well. And when production yeah. is like, no, 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 we need them in their seats. Like, yeah, it, it just, it's a great, it's, it's one of those really nice things where you've been on the other side. You can, I kind of tell them like, Hey, I've been there. I know what you're going through today. Just come talk to me if you need anything, you know, and it, it creates a good relationship of with, with those people. Cause they're the ones getting you through the day when you're on, when you're actually oh, working and doing this. And it's just, it's just so cool to like, not even just cool, but like helpful to be able to see that other side. Cause like, no matter really what you kind of go into in music, if you're working with artists directly, you're going to end up in this position at some point. And like, there is a schedule and there is a rhyme and reason. And there are things you need to know, um, being backstage in an award show or a concert or a TV show, like it all kind of flows in a similar way, but the more you can get that experience going into a job, the, that's more stuff to put on your resume. Mm-hmm. You know, like I understand if like I have somebody on a resume that says like, 
I volunteer for CMA Festive Year. I know that they're down in the stadium working the crowd and like making, you know, I know that. And like, I know that they've seen that, experienced that. And I can, you know, put them in situations with my artists because they understand how that functions. So yeah, definitely a a fun thing to do. Um, So where are we talking about? Um, Belmont and- uh, Belmont, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so all those opportunities, CRS. Oh my gosh. Like all of those things were really helpful for me. Um, and that's what I, that's kind of why I wanted to go to Belmont was all of those. I, I knew from the get-go, like the schooling is great, but ex- you know, you got to get that experience. You got to get mm-hmm. out there and meet everybody. Um, they also, Belmont had a rule. You had to be at least like at a junior level credit wise to intern. Um, mm-hmm. And I had taken a lot, I had taken a bunch of summer school classes at my local community college when I was in high school. And Same. when I figured that out, I started taking more of them in the summer. Ah. My, uh, and then I actually ended up being a junior, technically my second semester, sophomore year. And so I was able to start interning before everybody. I mean, I was just like, get me in the door. That's like, just That's what one I got better. Do? hack the system, hack the intern system tricks I've heard because yeah. like, people talk about that a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I literally graduated with, I think you needed like 130 credits. I had 130.5. I mean, I ah. was just like, I got everything <laughs> I needed done and I was on track to like graduate. And I, I had an yeah. advisor cause I graduated a semester early and I had an advisor mm-hmm. tell me, they were like, I just, I don't know if you're going to be happy graduating early. I might, you might regret it down the line. Like you won't get this, this time back. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to get, I want to get going. I want to get in there. I want to do this. And, and had I waited, I wouldn't have been able to get my job. So it's all of, it's just timing. And, and you also, know, you know I feel you like your first like 10 years of the music industry are kind of like college anyways. Sure. <laughs> like you have no True. set schedule you're running around you're drinking you're up early you're out late you're making friends it's, yes. it's Little very sleep. similar it all kind of yeah, yeah. It all kind of runs together for me yeah to there's not really much of a difference no there's no. really not you just don't have homework <laughs> like the homework was exactly gone. and then I was like oh wait I don't have to study now I can just do this like my life was easier actually because yeah. I didn't have to come yeah. home and, and read and do homework and write papers mm-hmm. I was actually just able to do my job it was great yeah I loved it it's amazing yeah so let's talk about genre hopping so yeah. you came to Nashville you started in country music and then you ended up working with some of the absolute biggest names in pop music. So how did that happen? Yeah, well, so the funny thing too is I didn't, I didn't like country music when I moved to Nashville. That was not I can say my the purpose. same thing. Yeah, I can say the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Now I learned to appreciate it while I was there, which I think mm-hmm. when we were there at that time, especially those years, there was just a great, great slew of artists coming. It through. was fun. It was nice. I feel like it was more fun back then for some reason. Yeah, there was some know. great stuff, and so yeah. I learned to appreciate it for sure. And then of course working in it you know, I, John especially was writing for so many artists that I yeah. got exposed to so many different artists there. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I, I moved to London too in between there. So I got, Oh I, yeah. I got you a, moved to London. What were you doing? Yeah. I don't, I don't quite know that, that part of your life. I don't know either. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I needed a break. I called it my quarter life crisis. I needed a mental break. Uh, I went, um, I spent some time in Italy. I spent some time in London and then I decided to get my master's there. Um, again, the purpose wasn't the school. It was, I wanted to be be able to stay in London longer. I wanted to be able to work in London and get more exposure to that, that side of the industry. And school was just the forum in which to do that. uh, That's really what it came down to. Um, so I did that and I worked at at a startup for a little while, but it was, it was really great to get a better feel for, how does how does their industry kind of operate and and mm-hmm. the the charts that they're looking at and the metrics they're mm-hmm. using and and 
really, it, you know, especially at that time, you know, you guys with um, with One Direction was coming up at that time. Mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran was coming out of there. I mean, the British pop scene was, or music scene was really, really exploding at that point. So it was fun to be a part of that. Um, and then, yeah, and then I came here and I started working in pop and I just, that was where my original passion lied. So I think that was an easier transition for me than learning about country music. And I'm glad I yeah. learned about it when I did, because I had the like, I was a sponge at that point wanting to just soak up everything I could. So I was, mm-hmm. I was more like, yes, tell me everything I need to know about country music. And then when I moved to pop, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm back in my comfort zone in a way. I know this, yeah. I, can, I can do this. Yeah. Um, but actually Cassie came out to visit me in London um, when uh, the Backstreet Boys were there and we, we did a couple things. Of course she did. Yes. Just as you used college as a vehicle to live in London, <laughs> Cassie used the Backstreet Boys as a vehicle to come visit you. Yeah. <laughs> I use it actually was as a vehicle to travel to a lot of places. Yeah. I also do the same. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, it was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, yes, Cassie and I have known each other for so long and it's so amazing that our, our paths have crossed so many times throughout in different, in different <laughs> continents even. Um, yeah. And then I moved to pop and pop was just, pop was comforting. Pop was like home. I just, I knew, I knew the, how it operated and it was, it was still an adjustment though, because I think the education, if you want to call it that, that I got in country Mm -hmm. wasn't as, didn't translate as well as I thought it would, Mm -hmm. both in the UK and in, 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 um, in Mm -hmm. LA in pop. So that was a little bit of an adjustment that I had to like rethink a couple things, you know? And I I think, I don't want to say it's easier to go from pop to country, but maybe, I I don't know. It was just, it was a weird. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, it's interesting because you know I think we do, we talk about this a lot because we have our two main offices in Nashville mm-hmm. and Los Angeles and Cassie and I have both lived in Nashville and Los Angeles at different parts of our life and we've also had several employees go from one to the other and you know it's interesting like we've had one that just moved from LA to Nashville and I kind of like gave her a heads up like the culture differences and I mean like within the industry and within our teams you know that are in the industry and I was talking to her the other day after like six months she's like I didn't realize it was as like different as you said it was you know because like you know and it's interesting like in Nashville, I feel like for the most part, most nights that I have worked in Nashville at CrowdSurf over the past 15 years, everybody goes home at night. In LA, I feel like more than not, we'd go to the bar. Like it's just a different scene. It's a different, there's, I don't know, it's just very different. It's a different kind of camaraderie um, in each, you know, in each office. Like, and again, I think people move to Nashville to settle a little more. And I think people moved to LA to go out a little more and that translates into the, the genres of music too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think also it was, you know, at, at award shows, at um, radio remotes, at all of this stuff, mm-hmm. there was always this um, kind of camaraderie amongst everybody. I feel like you'd see, mm-hmm. you know, Gator Michaels, for example, would yep. be chatting with the, you know, the radio guy from one of the other labels who was technically a competitor, but it didn't feel like that. Everyone was, everyone was in the room. I feel like it at pop shows, like, and, and, you know, award shows, you go to award shows and it's like, everyone's hanging out of the outside of the dressing rooms. People aren't locked in their dressing rooms. People were in mm-hmm. the hallways having conversations or somebody's in mm-hmm. somebody else's dressing room and they're just playing music. Like, yeah, I don't, you don't get that vibe. I think on the pop side, um, Mm-mm. it's more competitive the, for sure. It's uh, definitely more competitive. He, yeah. People across don't care the board. as much about, well, it, I think things move a little faster too. And like, mm-hmm. 
I think sometimes like people who are not within the same entity don't care as much about being friends. Yeah. Um, I think in Nashville, like in order to get anywhere, and there's a pros and cons this in Nashville, like you kind of have to befriend people in a certain way a bit more and spend more time like kind of courting a relationship versus LA is just kind of like, I like you or I don't. Okay, I'm going to work with you. Right. It's a little more like kind of to the point, which for me, I prefer, mm-hmm. but for some people I know that's not like their their style. So it yeah. just kind of depends, yeah. but it's, it's. Yeah, or just like getting meetings and stuff. Like I feel like in Nashville, people be like, oh yeah, like let's meet sometimes. How are you next month or in three weeks? We're in LA. It's like, what are you doing Tuesday? It's a, it's a very different. Or, what, or can you get on a call yeah. today? Which I right. like, but yeah. Or like in in Nashville too, like as an agency, you know, our clients, the way they come on to our, you know, to our agency, they usually call first. It's it's either somebody we know or don't know. A lot of times it is someone we know and say, I'm working on this project. Let's see if this fits. And like you do in country music, I feel like you do three calls. You, (laughs) you, it's like a month or two later or six months later in LA. It's like, can you board today? Can we do this? We got to do it. We got to do it now. Um, and also just the song's coming in three weeks. So we exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, and also I feel like in Nashville, the, the not feel like, but it's true. Like the, the length of time that a single lives and flourishes is so much longer. Like, you know, you know, you're going to, to radio with X, country stars, big song. It might not hit number one for six months or a year. Mm-hmm. We're in pop music. If you're two months down the road, a month down the road, you might be changing singles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very different. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, I think the, the power of radio on the country side versus the pop mm-hmm. side too is still, it, it's definitely, there's a huge, huge difference for sure. Um, and I, all of that stuff plays into it. All of it. Yeah. All of it. So just some things to think about if like, you're going to college in Nashville and you're thinking about going to pop or vice versa. Like there are some differences. And I think it would, I think it would do everyone good if they are looking to make those changes to kind of talk to someone and say, what, what are the differences? Am I going to like this? Because it is, it's very different. I think it's a good subject to bring up. Yeah. But when you did go to pop music, you worked with Fifth Harmony, Miley Cyrus, Nicole Scherzinger, Aerosmith, Steven Tyler. I mean, like these aren't, you know, developing artists. These are superstar artists. Um, I remember Cassie told me one time something like, I guess Aerosmith has had, what is it, like a top, like a number one in like every decade? It's probably like a top 10 in every decade. That would make sense. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, wow. Like that, it was like a stat that like made me stop and think. That's and be like, hard wow, to that's do. Totally that's so true. hard to do. It's very it's hard to do. Yeah. Especially with a 50 year career. Yeah. Cause like, basically, like, you know, they had this resurgence in the nineties and that was when I was like really getting into music and like buying my own music. And like, I think my dad was like, you're, you're buying an Aerosmith CD because like before that I was buying a Debbie Gibson CD, you know? And I'm like, no, it's like a cool new band. (laughs) (laughs) Look who I discovered. (laughs) And he's like, I saw this band in 1973, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's that's awesome. But let me ask you though, cause I, I had, I was definitely familiar with Aerosmith because of like Mm -hmm. MTV. Like I would sit and watch MTV religiously Mm -hmm. and they would do the, I mean, I would see their, their video from like the 80s and the early 90s mm-hmm. yeah. so when jaded and that whole era came mm-hmm. um you know post uh or around you know i don't want to miss a thing it was it what they weren't unfamiliar to me i knew oh no i didn't really think that no no but i'm <laughs> saying but i feel like now do you do you think like do do kids mm. do kids have that now like is it do you think is no. it possible for a band to be able to even do that when they're not exposed every you know so regularly to an audience 
Yeah. So I think, I think one, I think MTV shaped that narrative for decades. Mm -hmm. Um, and now MTV does not shape the musical narrative anymore. It just doesn't. Yeah. It's part of a landscape, but it's not the case. I would say. Yes. It's part of the culture. Um, but you know, the internet is shaping it. We can get into TikTok. We can get into this. Um, you know, I got to give a shout out to fallout boy, because I think that they're, they're probably the best them and panic are the best at doing something leading to maybe having this story at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very interesting. You know, I'm a huge Fall Out Boy fan. I mean, every tour they do, I see it several times. And it's, I think the most interesting thing has been watching myself as like the dirty kid in the pit to becoming the oldest person in the audience. And it's interesting because like, there are still other people there my age, but it's not the main, the main fan anymore. Like yeah. they have... You know, and I think one of the smartest things they did when they put Demi Lovato on one of their songs, I got a lot of people, what do you think about that? And I'm like, from a, I think that if I didn't work in the industry, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. But from understanding it, you know, I'm like, that's genius. It's absolutely genius, you know? Um, And they did an NSYNC themed video. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Could have done Backstreet. Um, but, (laughs) but, um, But, you know, it's just, I was just like, I am so glad they did that because that's why I can still see them in arenas. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's the kind of stuff Aerosmith did. Like they put Alicia Silverstone in those series of videos in the nineties. And she was the biggest freaking, you know, not pop star, like, I guess just like pop culture icon in the yeah. world with clueless and all yeah. these things at the time. And, um, all of that was just really smart Bowl, marketing for that, the that Super generation. Bowl performance. Yeah, the oh yeah. Super the Super Bowl, Bowl of Britney. Britney. And yeah. Yeah. Nelly. Yeah. Insane. Um, who yeah. else was, yeah. was it? Well, there's like a lot of people. Oh, there was somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that was, yeah, that was, uh, that was so smart because it was, and again, it was all part of that movement, that moment that they were having at that time. And it was like, let's bring it all in together. Um, and look, yeah. I'm sure people like my dad were like, why is Steven Tyler with NSYNC? You know, yeah. I'm sure his like heart's breaking. Oh, like my daughter's boy band. is not- <laughs> But it's the same thing. It's the same thing as they did with Demi Lovato. And granted, I love Demi Lovato. I cannot wait to watch her documentary. Um, but you know, is Demi Lovato somebody I respect in like the punk pop scene that I was so pure about? No, she's a pop star, you yeah. know? I would have had the same reaction had they done something with the Backstreet Boys, yeah. you know? Like, really? Like, are we doing this? Um, but it's genius and it's yeah. something you have to do and that's why they've been able to, to sustain, you know? And like, I'll tell you, okay. So I guess you were there too, maybe not, but were you with us when we were with Steven at the ACMs at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. I wasn't there. I think I was probably okay. covering. I feel like Cassie I was, was probably yeah, covering. Yeah, Cassie was covering. Yeah, and then I, yeah. I just came to come. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly came to actually stalk members of the Dallas Cowboys. I might have been with Fifth Harmony at that point. I might have yeah. been like, so, what we were doing. Yeah. I, what was interesting was, okay, so everyone who's like, I don't mean backstage, like back, I'm talking like the people that were working at the stadium, you know? They could have given a crap about the country star. Garth Brooks is walking by and nobody cares. And nobody knows him from any other country artist. We walk in with Steven and every person that worked there was like, oh my gosh, it's Steven. (laughs) I mean, we had the biggest, like, we had the biggest superstar in the room. And it was just like, it was so interesting to watch that. Oh, yeah. There's something he he has this aura about him, and there's something yeah. about it. It's just yeah, yeah. It's contagious. I remember one time I was I was in um in San Francisco with him, and it was the same thing. Like 
everybody, no matter what age you are, what race, like, you know, you know who Steven Tyler is. Yep. Yeah. He did, did this thing. I don't know if you ever, if this was a thing he always did, Sheila, but he like, he rolled down the window and was just like yelling at people, like in like a, not a mean way, but he just like, for fun. I was like, okay. Well, I know one time he was driving down Sunset and I think with Larry and there was one of those like star tour um, vans going by <laughs> and he rolled down the window and just started talking to people. I mean, like they actually got to see a star on their tour. And so, yeah, he just, he likes to do, he does stuff like that. Yeah. That's funny. I like yeah. it. Cause I feel like when I was a kid, I used to like to roll down the window and say stuff to random people and seeing that in him as an adult yeah. made me very happy. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's yes. Have yeah. you guys ever walked by one of those star tours and had people start photographing you thinking you were famous? I don't think so. Okay. It's happened to me like four or five times. Maybe when I had my convertible, I feel like I noticed it. I mean, I feel I like I, I like, I feel like I'd be walking a lot, like down sunset and I have like a hat on and big sunglasses and all black, but it's happened a few times. Like one time I was kind of near like guitar center. And then the person that was like, was like talking, like said something about me. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't know. It's <laughs> happened a few times to me. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not famous, nor do I look I know, famous. but at this I point now, like, it's not like people are using like film. So you're just kind of like, take the picture. We'll figure out later if it's actually somebody who's famous. Exactly. Right? Just take the picture. Yeah. Like maybe it was more like a real live person that lives in Los Angeles. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't next, look like a tourist. big star walking into Guitar Center. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Um, all right, so let's, I want to talk about uh, mental health and music. Yes. So we've all been through it. <laughs> we've all, yeah. um, and Sheila, we've talked about this a lot. I don't know where you kind of stand on this, but you know, I'm, I'm older than Cassie and I talked about how mental health had such a stigma to it when I was growing up and it was just something you didn't talk about. And I am so thankful for that change. I am so thankful for the young people in my company that have let me know that like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I can go to therapy and I'm a lot happier person. Yeah. Um, so what is your kind of journey been with mental health in this insane industry? Yeah. I mean, I, the first time I went to a therapist, I was in my teens. I was probably 16, 17. I was old enough to drive mm. and I, I didn't even tell my parents. I just like went online, found a doctor that my insurance covered wow. and I started going and I would use my allowance to pay the copay or whatever. I'm sure. Well, you also grew up in San Diego. Yes. Probably a little yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they figured it out when they got the insurance stuff, but I <laughs> thought I was being super sly, but I think we, we go, we go like at full speed all the time. And I think that it was drilled into our heads that like, this is what you have to do to make it. This is what, you know, whether you're an artist or behind the scenes, you know, working in the industry, you have to just keep going. Um, you do it for little to no pay. You, you know, you should be grateful for the opportunities. Um, and I think that's where the, the pay situation becomes a whole thing because it's like, well, if you don't want this, there's six other people behind you that will take the job. And then, but there at no point is it like, you know, we, we get our two weeks between, between Christmas and, and the new year, but for some of us, we end up still working during that time. I think, especially in digital, mm -hmm. I think, I think it was mm -hmm. fine during the time before, before social media, but now I've often worked um, and Cassie can attest to this as well. We've worked more actually during that off time. Uh, Stop leaking <laughs> stuff over the holiday break. 
please everyone please. stop it it's so mean no joke like yeah us. i mean i can i can count oh my god I, without a doubt it got to the point where memorial weekend labor day weekend we knew something was going to happen it just it, it was inevitable and it was like i i'm not i'm not able to be my best self and i think i think at the end of the day everyone finds their thing that relaxes them you know gives them mental clarity gives lets them take a break in different ways um and i think it's so important to find that thing um i think that there's also become this weird thing about like hobbies becoming side hustles that is i haven't heard that but i like it it makes so much sense yeah i mean it is there are things that make you interesting those are there's things that you do for yourself that like shape your character those are hobbies. Not every single one of those things needs to become something you make money off of. Once it becomes something you make money off of, it's no longer like your personality or something you do for fun. It might be fun, but it's now become a job. And that, that, mm-hmm. you now defeated the purpose of having this thing that you do as a relaxing, stress relieving thing to take your mm-hmm. mind off of your actual job, right? It's like, Etsy has like turned hobbies into side hustles. Yeah, in a way, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And like, and you know, maybe at some point you realize, wow, no, I really do love this and I want to make this a career. Okay, great, that is now a job. Mm -hmm. What else are you doing for yourself? So like, I love to read. That is my, and and I don't really know how I'd make money off of reading. So that's a really good one for me where I can be like, this is something I enjoy doing. It it started, I was having a lot of trouble sleeping at night. Um, I've had- I've had multiple times of like health stuff. So when I was, before I left Nashville, I had, I started having low blood pressure. I don't even, I can't even explain this. Um, but which I found out can be caused by stress as well. And my doctor was like, I can't give you anything to raise your blood pressure. Um, he's like, you just, it's a lifestyle change. And I was like, well, I'm moving to, to Europe. And he was like, that'll do it. You should be fine once you change, you know, where you're at. And, and that's what happened. Um, later on, I, I was, I couldn't fall asleep. My brain was going 24 seven, because there was always something happening. There was always something. And mm-hmm. I was, I got back into reading, which I did a lot when I was in Europe, but not as much when I, when I moved back here. And even if I only got through like two or three pages, it was the last thing my eyes saw before I went to bed versus my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became mm-hmm. a really, really good way for me to just power my brain down, um, in a, you know, non drug alcohol, you know, fashion It is something I don't. Yeah. And so it was, which is really, really helpful for me. And now I just love it. And like my free time, I want to read a lot. Um, I also, I was knitting and I, I wouldn't, I was knitting in London and I would love to do it in the winter time here. And it's just like, it's a relaxing thing. Adult coloring books, have fun with it. Find things that you like to do that are not things that you can make money off of. Um, and yeah. it is, I just feel like that, that has become um, um, the side hustle thing. It's, it's like taking something you enjoy doing just for fun that now you're trying to make money off of. And it's like, all right, we well, just killed the fun of it. You know, like, <laughs> it, how is that fun anymore? Now you're stressed out about this thing. Cause you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, you know? And it's, yeah. it's, so for me, it's like, I think it's so important. I talked to a lot of, of folks in their twenties and I'm just like, but like, what do you do for fun? Like, what are you doing for you? You know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you know, I, I'm very, it's very important to me to take time off and like go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to do it every year, obviously this past year, not so much, but I try to do it every year. And there was always a sense of like, well, it must be nice that you're taking this time off. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you, I mean, it's vacation days, <laughs> you don't use them, you lose them. Um, and yeah. I come back feeling rejuvenated. I come back. I, I, 
I had, I've had times where even before I'd left, knowing that I was going to be leaving, I was already feeling more creative and feeling like lighter, you know? And it's just, mm -hmm. I, I think it's important to find your thing that like fills your cup, recharges your battery, that is not related to whatever industry in, whatever it is that you do. Like find something that isn't that, that fills you up, you know? And I think if you don't have that, I per personally, I think that is what can lead to burnout because now you don't have another mm -hmm. outlet to, to recharge with. Yeah. I mean, my therapist made me buy a calligraphy set and a watercolor I love set. It. I love it. So those are my new hobbies. I love it. Um, <laughs> Cause I was like, what are your hobbies? Um, watching American horror story. Yeah. That's not a hobby. That's yeah. maybe unhealthy. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think, yeah. And I, I think you're right though. Like, we've gotten very much into like TV shows and it's like, well, I, I, I watch TV yeah. to relax and it's like, uh, you're just going from a little screen to a, a bigger screen to, you know, yeah, it's like, true, what true, is, true. Yeah. 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 So, um, so you read, that's your main hobby. Like what I are you love reading, reading. What are you reading right now? Anything you recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's funny reading books from, it's very similar to like music. It's like, okay, well, what kind of stuff do you like? Um, I yeah. am very much into like the thriller genre. I love a good suspenseful, mm. keep me on the edge of my seat book. Um, I love, uh, I'm not as much into contemporary fiction I have figured out. Um, it just sometimes mm -hmm. goes a little too slow for me. Um, I'm currently reading The Midnight Library, which was the uh, Goodreads book of the year last year. And so mm -hmm. naturally I'm, I, I have to check that out. But yeah, it's um, there's like a, a stack of books behind me here that- I, I am absolutely yeah. obsessed with the fact that you just answered that question without- like you're actually, you proved your point because never do I ask somebody what they're reading and it's fiction. It's always this book that's going to help you with your no, career. Yeah, you no. know? And I was like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> which, which, you know what? And the reason, the reason I like stuck out to me was because I'm like a podcast junkie. And so I'm often asked, well, what podcast are you listening to? And people think I'm going to say business podcast. Oh no. I love like fiction podcasts. I love like supernatural mm -hmm. stuff and lore and and they're like, oh, and like, there's part of me sometimes that feels a little guilty listening to those because I'm like, oh, I could be totally listening to something that makes me a better business person. But you're listening to stuff you know? that makes you a better person, a more well-rounded person. Mm, yep. I like to listen to stuff about monsters. It's great. You know? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yes. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Conspiracy but, theories. Yeah. Conspiracy theory. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I like listening to other people talk about conspiracy. Well, because it's working your brain in a different way right? Like you're, you're thinking through it and you're trying to analyze it and figure it out. And it's just like, it's, it's getting your brain working in a different way. It's great. Yeah. It's just different. And it, to me, like listening to the conspiracy theory stuff, I listen to one that's actually just called conspiracy theories. These people are not trying to sell me on the idea. Right. They're telling me history. And I find that interesting. And it's an interesting, um, you know, talk, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I am reading also Stacey Abrams book, which oh, I nice. really enjoy. I do love a good autobiography thrown in there. Um, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea Handler's last one um, was, I thought was really great. Um, I love Rob Lowe. I love both of his books and his podcast is one of my favorites as well. Um, mm, mm. And, but yeah, I think, I think, and, and actually like one of my, I, let's not call it a new year's resolution. Cause I just came up with it like three weeks ago, but one of the things I want to do this year on a personal level is, is learn archery. Like that is just something. Yeah. I saw that. Why not? Like, why not? I mean, why not? Do I think I'm going to be in a situation where it's going to come handy? Maybe. <laughs> um, but more importantly, like, it feels like something where I will be forced to not look at my phone. Phone goes away. I have to actually concentrate mm -hmm. on something else. And, 
And I think that that is just a good like thing to, to exercise your brain in a different way and let it focus yeah. on. Something. I think that's why, um, my favorite workout is swimming because yes. I actually can check out. I love the water. I can actually check reason. out like yeah. in general, you know, cause yeah. like, and I, I, my phone, my watch is on, but I make it. So it's like, all, like on silent or yeah. whatever it is. And so it's just tracking and yeah because when I go for walks I'm literally like walking to the road like can you please tell so-and-so to do turn so and add it to my account and like people are like I look like I saw somebody walking down my street sometime that was eating a salad in one hand and like doing that and like and like and like giving orders or something in the other oh hand my God, in. no it was, it was hilarious but it also no. stressed me out You're like yeah my thing my thing has been boxing my thing's been boxing so that's been ah. another one where like I and oh, bless them I love box union if we're ever in Los Angeles when we're not in a pandemic you need to go to box union it's fantastic um but we I, I was going there for over a year before everything shut down and it was like phone in the locker for just about an hour and gloves are on. You can't do anything. I can't even look at the, you know, it was just like, and I got to punch a bag and it was the greatest thing. And I actually was talking to friends last week about this and they were just like, you know, how do you feel like an exercise? And I was like, I got to tell you, it's like 25% exercise for me. It is 75% mental. It is like the yeah. mental, um, the release you know, of like just being able to hit something and, and get it all out on the bag. I found my, just everything just felt so much better afterwards and lighter. And I could tackle things throughout the day because it was like, I had already, I had let go of all that like energy that, that would consume me sometimes. So boxing is another mental health thing. So moving on to being a woman, it is women's history month. We just had international women's day. Um, Let's talk about some of the challenges you faced um, in the past 17 years being a woman in this industry and how that's changed. Oof, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's it's such a fine line between like respect and then being perceived as like, for lack of a better word, a bitch, like to being too forceful, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think I think in any industry, women are already fighting the whole not being paid enough and, and all of that stuff. That is already an issue. And we're not, we are not taught, especially in the US, how to like negotiate for salary and all that kind of stuff as is. Mm-hmm. Then you get into the music industry where it already is a like low paying, low respect grunt work type of thing. And it, I feel like we are at an even bigger disadvantage as a woman going into coming in, coming into the industry. I think personally, like my, my experience has been balancing more of the, like the forcefulness, how I come across. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and it has been like relayed to me through friends, um, as well as like, is that softening when needed and softening and like, but also I think at the end of the day, I, it is a, who are, who are you speaking to kind of thing? You know, I've, I've had somebody who I was like trying to get an understanding of like, why haven't I received this? Like what I haven't gotten this thing that you told me I was going to get. And like, where are we at mm-hmm. with it? And blah, 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 blah. And, and in a defensive manner, he's just like, I don't appreciate being attacked about this thing. And I was like, <laughs> well, I wasn't attacking <laughs> you before, but I'm about to now. Like it is, yeah. you know, just because I think, I think that, that, that happens a lot where it's like, all of a sudden, if a female is like, being forceful in a respectful way, it becomes a, oh, whoa, calm down, you know? And it is just like, mm. Mm, you know, 
if I was a guy, you wouldn't be talking to me this way either. Like, ugh. so I, let me ask you this, because this is something I've experienced. And I think Cassie um, feels similarly. Um, so like, you know, when we started, we, we had a different amount of power than we have gained and earned now. Um, I felt like I didn't, maybe it was blind to it in some ways, but I felt like I didn't really have like the mansplaining and like all of that coming at me until I became a threat, meaning had equal or more power. Do you, have you gone through that as well? I think that's accurate. I definitely think that's accurate. I think, uh, I think when you're, I've, I've had, oddly enough, pretty much mainly worked for men, um, you know, Mm -hmm. except for you guys. Um, And even then I was, you know, reporting to, to Larry and Adam. So it was, uh, it was a weird dynamic, but for the most part, I've been, I've been reporting to men, let's put it that way. And it was, and it is definitely, I've seen that shift from when I first started where it was like, you know, the tasks I was given, the opportunities I was given, all those kinds of things. And then Mm -hmm. once you become a little bit, yeah, elevated, it's like now the conversation changes a little bit with you. And it is, yeah, it's, I definitely, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And have you ever seen like, cause this is something that's I've experienced. Like, um, I think sometimes like being a female, I tend to get closer to my artists quicker because I have like a female perspective, especially if they are mm-hmm. female or sometimes guys like the motherly side of it, if that makes any sense. Cause like I'm an Enneagram too. I want to take care of you. And I've had that same sense where I've had like male maybe a manager and I'm on a project and I'm like with the band and I've become very close with them um we also have learned boundaries in therapy yes. but um I've seen the threatening like come like like you're too close you're too close like I need to be they're starting to listen to your ideas <laughs> like that's where it all comes from yeah. you know yes I think it is a what is the protocol you know for this for this communication mm-hmm. to go through um definitely yeah and i think and i think that's a it's a balance i would say even you know especially when you're starting out um you, i've i've had situations on both sides where it's like speaking up too early you know and i have to kind of be like hey like you know let's chat after the conversation and then i want to get your input mm-hmm. but like when we're in these kinds of meetings like i need you know we're i want you to hold off just cuz you you don't have an you just started, you're, you're, you're new here, you know, yeah, yeah. versus also then being like, okay, like at what point do you start to speak up? And then, and it, it's, a, I think that's a difficult thing to teach like to mentor somebody who's below mm-hmm. you on when you haven't had it, when you didn't experience mm-hmm. it in the healthy, proper way yourself, uh, you know? So it yeah. is, it's, sometimes I've felt that like, I'm still trying to navigate this. And because mm. I've, I've had both sides of it. And so it's difficult for me to then when I'm working with, with people who are reporting to me to be like, now, you know, tr- not train them, but like guide them in the best way to, to navigate those waters as mm-hmm. well. Um, Dude, I like, you just like nail, like you just like opened up a whole thing to me because that makes so much sense, you know? Cause like, I feel like something like I've had to really learn is like being, you know, the softening thing and like talking yeah. a little less harsh. And because like, I was talked to like that. And like, I was so used to being like, get, get it done, get it done. Get it done. Okay, great. I got it done. I got it. And like, as time has gone on, I've really forced myself to change from the way I was taught. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very yeah. interesting. I mean, when I was a big and rich, I was the only female, I, I, like yeah. the only female management, touring, everything. I was the only girl. And so it was that, that in itself, you know, I, I think created unhealthy, an unhealthy lifestyle for me. 
um, both mm. in the like how much drinking there was going on in the environment I was in like I and I because I wanted to be there I wanted to fit in I wanted to be one of the the team um, I'm not gonna say one of the guys yeah. just one of the team and I wanted to be respected in that manner I think I, I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. take the the best approach to like being there you know and then and that's kind of why when I left I was like I need a break I just like I, I need a break from all yeah. of this and yeah so that it all it all ties in there together um and I'm an Enneagram 8 um, so I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, but, it, and, and so it, it is, you know, everything I've read about Enneagram and, and especially eights, it, that is a really difficult thing for female eights is, is navigating mm-hmm. that, you know, male eights are like the epitome of business person and, and they are, mm-hmm. you know, they're the golden boy of, of business, you know, but then female eights, you were, were the ones that are the, the threat, I guess you could say, and the one that needs, which is just unfortunate, you know, but I totally also feel you talking about like being the only, like I spent years being the only girl on a tour bus. Um, actually there was a few years that I spent and it was me and another girl on tour bus. And it was interesting because I think that girl took the role of being the girl, which honestly led to a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took the role of being the dude. And like, I was, I was like, Jade can hang. And that was the most important thing to me was that everyone thought I could hang and I would stay up every night and I would drink and I would go out and I would go to strip clubs. I would do whatever the dudes were doing. And it's like, that was not something I would have naturally done, but it definitely, it that's definitely why I went through like that phase of my life now that I think about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. In any other circumstance, I would have not been doing that. Uh, and like the thing is I would I would be so embarrassed if a female in my company was put in the situations I was and ended up acting the way not embarrassed of her but embarrassed that she felt she needed to do that to fit absolutely in. do you know what I'm saying absolutely like do what you want you yeah. know and I did have the time in my life but again I was definitely making decisions based on being like you're cool as shit you can hang and that was so important yeah. to me yeah. Well, you know? again, because we were, we were trained and it was like, get your foot in the door. There, yeah. there wasn't, there wasn't a, an asterisk at the end of that being like, but also make sure that your mental health is okay. And that you're not like, you're not <laughs> straying too far from who you actually are. Like it was just yeah. get your foot in the door. If that meant, you know, hang until three o'clock in the morning, if that meant going to the strip club, if that meant, you know, doing yeah. shots and like all of this stuff, like that's what you were doing because this was part yeah. of, you know, being, being a part of it. And, you know, another thing I will say that I've had to kind of like think about and adjust is because of that, I became that person and I became the person that would take out the young people in the industry and be like, do the shot, do the thing. We're going to party. And I hit this point maybe a few years ago. I was like, you know, sometimes people are uncomfortable with that. And I totally kind of talk them into it. And I like, and I've learned to, if somebody's like, no, 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 I don't want to. I'm like, okay, cool. And I wasn't like that. I was like, no and I, I exactly. really that's what yeah. that's what people did to yeah. you you know like, yeah like I can't tell you how many times like I've I, taken a shot because I felt like I would feel like I'm a loser yeah. if I don't and I I don't really like drinking and I, I don't actually really drink anymore but I did it all the time before because it felt like I had yeah. to and it was a part of the culture and maybe it's just getting older too but uh, it's um I like drinking like good drinks because they taste good yeah. but like I don't like drinking to like right. 3 a.m. till I throw up yeah drinking and I did a lot of that and I think sometimes it was because it was 
be socializing and trying to to fit yeah, in. Absolutely. And I th- I think Nashville, I mean, John had a bar, like it was open. Yeah. Right? I, it, it was it was yeah. just not, you know, I mean, that was that was the environment I was in. It was an open bar available to me the last two years. I was I was yeah. working with him and it was like all right, well, this isn't good for anybody. <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, I think, I think that that it all plays into it and it all, uh, you know, I, I'm now, I, I feel like some of the folks I've worked with previously are just like, come on, we're going out. And I'm like, what time are we going out? We're going to meet at 11 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, no, um, I wish you had known me in my previous life, but, uh, right? no, this is not, I know. Um, and I think being in your thirties, you have a much better, easier time just saying like, no, and you're not concerned about the being cool thing or like what it's just like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. Like if I don't go to bed before midnight, I'm still waking up early. Like I am not, this is going to mess up my sleep for the whole, like, whole thing, whole thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. whole yeah. thing. Now. I don't want to mess up my sleep cycle. Yeah. No. yeah. I mean, it shocks me now when like, especially during the Vegas Backstreet's residency, they did a party that people paid to go to every night. And like the first two months you go, then I was like, oh, do we have to go? (laughs) (laughs) I never thought I would say no to like partying with the Backstreet Boys. And I'm like, "Mm." it's like, I'm going to get the content in the first 30 minutes and then I'm leaving. Yeah. That's what I do. Out. Or yeah. I'll get all the content on Wednesday night to post on Friday and Saturday night, and then I can just go to bed. Repurpose, yes, yep. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when we were doing when we were doing Nashville Star, I thought about this the other day. When we were doing Nashville Star, which shot on like a Monday, we we would come off the road from the weekend. So I'm already just exhausted and you know, whatever. Monday we would shoot all day long, you know, that was a whole day-long affair. Shoot the show and then we would like us and the whole like production crew that we had befriended and, and taken under our wing, we'd all go to John's bar. Someone would show up with the DVD of the episode and then we'd watch the episode at the bar and then dot, 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 dot. And then we'd either go across the street or we'd party. And it was just like, this was a Monday. This was on a Monday after mm-hmm. being gone all weekend. And so like, I spent an entire summer like that. And it, it was, yeah. I was like, I really don't know how I was functioning as a human being, but things you do in your twenties much easier than, and now I'm like, no, I, I feel like I used, I overused all that energy when I was in the, when my twenties, right? and now I'm like, sorry. Can't but I also it. say it, but also like, if you want to do all this stuff, go do it in your twenties. Go do it. Like, go but you don't do have it. to. Yes. I had the time of my life. You, but you don't, don't have, have to. to. Yes. Yes. But if you want yeah. to, you know, people will, will see your value if you don't like, you can still show your value without yes. doing that stuff. You don't want to, or, or, yeah. or you only do it sometimes, right. yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. I think sometimes too, I say, cause like, you know, I have, I mentor a lot of college students and I think they think like, I have to leave college and get like my job, like the job, the job I'm going to stay in forever. I'm like, you know, first of all, you don't even understand the music industry yet try the things. If you want to tour, try it now. If mm-hmm. you want to go work at a management firm and see how that is, try it now. Um, and then get in your groove and find your place and do your thing. Um, because I think like some of them think like, oh my gosh, every, every move I make is so detrimental to like what I could do in the future. And it's just, it's just not like that, you know? I mean, yeah, I absolutely. I interned for I actually entered at Capital for a very long time. I ended up staying because I loved it there, and I was like, I want to be at a label. That's what I want to do. And I went from the publicity department to marketing, and and spent all my time there. And then I ended up in management. Yeah. And then you know, and then I ended up 
doing at a startup doing digital stuff. And then I ended up doing digital at a management company. You know, it's just like, yeah. and, and now I'm going to be working with brands. Like it is, there's so many things that you, you, when you think you are, you know, in college and you're doing these internships, you think, this is what I want to do. I thought I wanted to be a, pro- I didn't know what a producer was, but I wanted to be a producer <laughs> when I was like 16 years old, you yeah. know? And then I took one rec tech class and I was like, oh no, 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 I don't want to be in this environment. No, thank you. It wasn't for me, you know? And so it, you, you don't know. And, and also to, to add to like, especially when we were in college and coming up, you know, digital, it definitely wasn't what it is today. Uh, you know, there was barely was, was like a new media department at a label. Like there was, was barely anything. New media. New media. New yeah. Media. <laughs> new media. Like what? So there's very possible that the job that you're like meant to do that you're going to be great at, it hasn't even been invented yet. It's not even a thing yet, you know, yeah. or it's or whatever it is, isn't even it hasn't, it hasn't had a chance to incubate yet, you know? And I think, I think also, which is, it's so sad, touring is going to come back, but if this last year has taught us anything is like, there's so much volatility there as well. So, oh my gosh. you know, having, having other skills and being able to like diversify a little bit and say, you know, I have done this other stuff and I can, I can pivot this a little bit and, and try these other things. Um, and maybe it's not permanent. Maybe you only do it for a couple of years and then you go back. And it's just having that expectation of like, straight out of college, I'm going to have that, that job mm-hmm. is a, you know, it, it, I think these days it only maybe happens for a small percentage of people, you know, when I think too, I think some people, I think a lot of people give up if they don't have that, because yeah. it's like, like I said, like the first few years of your career, if not 10 years, you're kind of in that place. And like, you're kind of trying to figure out where you fit and what you're doing and, and what works best. And again, like, you might go do something and hate it. Like you weren't going to be a producer. I wanted to be a tour manager. I would be an awful tour manager because I don't have the temperament for it. You know? Um, also, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting because you, I thought I could maybe be a publicist. Mm, I don't like that either. Yeah. <laughs> just, no. It's just all the things that you yeah. kind of think. But the thing is, I think there's also this part of it where like, a lot of people want to go into artist management and they think, oh, then let's start an artist management. No, why don't you go do everything else? Because once you're an artist manager, you're going to have to know how every piece of this industry works. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize uh, going into that. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I think part of what helped me in management was the fact that I had spent all that time at mm-hmm. Capital, you know, and, and I was in different departments and I was able to like, you know, come at it with the approach of when I was having conversations with folks at the label at Warner, it came from a place of like, okay, I've, I've maybe at an intern level, but I've still done this a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. I know, I know how the process works, you know? And it's funny too, because the one area I never spent a whole lot of time in throughout my whole career actually was radio. And it's still, Mm -hmm. it's still not something I like fully can grasp uh, because I haven't spent that time in it. And I wish I would have while I was capital, like spent some time like working with shadowing whatever somebody in the radio department mm-hmm. because it would have been a really nice well-rounded experience for yeah. me um but i think that that is the the great thing about an internship sometimes it's not about figuring out what you do want to do it's about figuring out what you don't want don't to do, do and eliminate that stuff um because at the end of the day i very very rarely will it be oh well it's that company that you were at it's usually it's pretty much very similar you know it's yeah. going to be the same throughout so if you don't like something here i think that's kind of a really good piece of advice to kids that are in college wanting to do this use that time in college because I feel like a lot of people's like like for me I was like I want to do this so I'm going to go do this 
when in reality, I ended up doing a lot of other things, which I may have not been as excited about the time, but really taught me a very well-rounded approach. And so it's like my advice to these college students is go get an internship in publishing, go get an internship in artist management and in digital and in marketing and publicity and like learn it all because you're going to learn where you fit by doing that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, and I, I think that is one, one thing that was great about school. Like when you do go to school mm -hmm. for a music business, because I remember sitting in my first class was like the 101 music business class. And it was like sitting there and looking around the room, there's 30 kids in there. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, half of you guys aren't going to make, your years are going to drop out. You're not even going to graduate as music business majors. And I was not wrong. I mean, it was like by, by the end of the year, X percentage had already changed majors, you know? And then you know, at a certain point, people were like, well, it's too late to change my major. I'm going to be stuck. So I'm just going to graduate with it. But I have no desire to work in the music industry. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there, I know there's always this debate about should you go to school for this or should you not go to school for it? I think that that is one good thing about going to school for it, or at least taking some classes in it mm -hmm. is like, you know, there, it, it feels like this glamorous, mysterious industry that is just like, you know, it draws people to it. And it's like, it's still work. It's still a business, you know? And it is, if, if you can't, if you're not into that, the fundamentals of that business, then maybe it's not for you. You can just sit back and enjoy music like everybody else. And that's totally fine. But I think that having that little bit of foundation is also really helpful to be like, is this really what you want to do? Like, this is the nitty gritty of it. And if, you, if you're not into this, it's only going to get more and more difficult and more and more stressful and more and more time consuming and, and all encompassing in your life. If, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I go back and forth on the school thing. Yeah. I, no, I agree. And the thing is for me, school was like, um, those years were the time it's interesting. Cause like you talk a lot about, you know, we talk a lot about, well, how do you do this? How do you get into music? You do a lot of stuff for free. You try a lot of stuff out there. There's a, there's a period of that where like other majors, you may go, oh, you're a marketing major. We're well, going to get your first job in marketing. And, and that's, that's it. You got a job and you mm -hmm. can go from there and music. You really have to kind of dig in in a lot of different ways. And it's like, I think college is just like such an amazing time to do that. And I think that's why, like, if anybody ever asked me advice when they don't live in a music based city, I'm like, you have to move. Like, I know mm -hmm. that's scary, but you have to go where what you want to do is happening. Um, and that's going to be the key to understanding it and being in the middle of it. And to me, like, again, just like you, like the classes weren't necessarily the thing that I was getting out of college. It was the freedom to learn while volunteering and hearing from different people on panels and bringing in guests yeah. and volunteering at award shows and whatever it was. And then just going to Nashville, like CRS would happen and we'd be like, oh, everybody's at this hotel. Let's go hang out and see mm -hmm. how the music industry works. And it was all that kind of stuff. And like, that was the most valuable thing to me during college as opposed to the classes, you know? Oh yeah, 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 a absolutely. That was hundred percent. I mean, that was- that was the main goal. It wasn't, yeah. the classes were just like, okay, sure. Get a degree. It's fine. Just have it. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's going to be interesting though, too, to see, especially as we move into so much more tech being, mm -hmm. um, being a big and integral part of the music industry. Mm -hmm. I feel like their sort of HR practices are going to require degrees, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the degrees in, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's not, I don't know that it's going to be the same as like a management mm -hmm. company. That's just like, just come on. Like, we don't care if you have a degree or not, yeah. like, just come on in. I feel like tech companies operate a little bit differently. And I, it's going to be interesting to see if that pivots 
or if they, Mm -hmm. if they really maintain a, like, no, 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 we need you to have like foundation. Well, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of jobs in the music industry currently are based on, I think it's one of these things, like you're born with it. You're born with the desire to do this, the passion for it, the right personality, the right bounce. What do you call it? Like, like, uh, being able to bounce back, whatever, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but it's not that like a certain skill has to be learned in order to do right. that, where I think these things are going to be like very skill-based. Well, also, I think that these tech companies, you kind of think about it, you know, if you're requiring a degree and using like colleges as sort of your barometer to get into school or get into, get to get a job, you're saving, you're having somebody else do a lot of your recruitment research for you. Like, you know, that if, if they got into a Harvard or a certain kind of school, somebody else has already paid to like vet that person to a certain level. So it's, so Mm -hmm. when you're getting like 10,000 resumes, you know, it can be a good barometer for a a larger company to weed people out because they're basically using other people's money and vetting process to handle a lot of that for them. That's a good point. I mean, if if I were, you know, I get, you know, I I don't think it's necessarily makes sense for like our company to vet people that way, but Mm -hmm. I I would see why like Google would do it. Like it makes sense to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like an Amazon is going to, is going to want to see that you've, you've graduated. You have, to, yeah. you have to get down to like the top 5% of your resume some way. And every company is going to have a different process for that. And larger companies, like they're going to, they're going to, if you have Harvard's and Northwest's and whatever in your, you know, in your resume pile, like why not weed it down that way? If you have 10,000 to start mm-hmm. with. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I agree with that. So Sheila, let's wrap up with you giving, um, I'll let you choose either young people advice for getting into the music industry or women advice or young women. Ooh, (laughs) um, let me do a combination of both, I guess. Okay. Um, I think staying true to who you are, keeping a close group of friends that kind of can, can check you and, and maybe look out for your, your mental and physical health when when maybe you're not as, as aware of it sometimes, friends that you trust who can talk to you about that. Um, trying out different things, knowing, knowing your boundary for like the getting the foot in the door. I, I speaking for myself, I, I've definitely, I had a situation where a someone older male was, was trying to get together with me at when Vegas at ACMs one year and, and I was able to go to a couple of females who were just like, just don't respond, just leave it and don't respond. And, and I was, you know, I I knew my boundaries. I knew what Mm -hmm. I would and would not do to, to make it, if you will. Um, and I, I think knowing that and standing firm on it is really important. Um, and, and finding those females as a female, finding those females that you trust that can help you, whether or not they are at the company you're working at or interning at, I think finding those females that you feel comfortable with who can, who you can talk to and you can just, you know, maybe have a, a mini therapy session with that, that can help you and guide you. Um, I think that's so important to have. And it's, yeah, it is, it can be so much fun if, but you just have to look out for yeah. your, your mental health throughout the whole thing. Um, and, and, but just be ready to do all the fun things and, and just get your foot in the door. Long days, long, long days and nights. Um, it is, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's just, it's a lot and you have to be prepared for that. And yeah, that's, that is the nutshell of advice. I would say. There you go. I love the advice about having a group of friends and that kind of thing, you know, like keeping you in check and that I will say like, 
I probably have never even said this to you, Cassie, but there, I think about this moment a lot. Like in the first few years of crowd surf, you know, we were killing ourselves and my grandmother was passing and mm -hmm. I was so torn about, do I go home or do I not? And Cassie's like, yo, you need to go home. And it was like her saying that, let me go home. It was the last time I saw my grandmother and I wouldn't have otherwise, but like, I needed someone to say that to me because I was so stressed yes. that like, I was going to miss out on the music industry if I went home for a week or whatever it was. So yeah, Absolutely. that is really important. And I would say a variety of friends, maybe a couple in the industry, mm -hmm. a couple not in the industry. I have a really great couple friend. not in the industry. I love yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important because yes. it's hard to like, you lose, yeah. uh, it's, Oh, no. Yeah, it, it's really important. Yeah, I've got two close friends who are not in the industry at all, mm -hmm. and and what another one who is who is, and the four of us are very good friends, and and it is when we get together, it's like this doesn't consume our conversation. You know, we are talking about so many other things, yep. and we'll talk about work. We'll talk about hey, how's everything going? But it is not the basis of every conversation we have. We are talking about other things, and it's so so nice. It's a, another great a really, way to decompress. That's what music industry people do. Like you realize how much time you spend hanging out with other music industry people and how <laughs> you're so tired of talking about your job. And the thing is, it drains you in your job more than it would because you're yeah. talking about your job all night at every dinner and on the weekends. And it's just, it was so nice. I actually met um, the parents of one of our, like very, one of our favorite employees, I guess, who's been with us for a long time um, last weekend. And at the end of the dinner, he was like, well, what did you think of my parents? I was like, I love that your parents didn't ask me about my job like not once it was amazing <laughs> it was so fun they yes. are about his yeah, job and job. how you're gonna help nurture yeah, his career yeah. and like yes that. they were just like they were just down yeah. to have drinks and hang out did not ask me one thing about the music industry and I was like this is amazing <laughs> it was so nice yeah yeah I think having having a balance of friends like that is so important it's so important and you're gonna want somebody who is in the industry who you can you know, invent to in a different way. But I think that, you know, having a well-rounded group of friends that, that are all different, I think is so important and helpful. So important. Yeah. So, important. so Sheila, where, where can people follow you? Um, at Sheila on Instagram. Good handle. Pretty, <laughs> Pretty legit. Pretty. Good handle. Yeah. Yeah. Perks of being in digital. Thank you, Sheila. Chat. It was good to see you and chat. Yes, absolutely. You're the best. Well, thank you so much. You guys follow myself at Folia Jade and Cassie at Cassie Petrie. This episode was edited by Hannah Humphreys and produced by Crowdsurf with original music from Cody Falcosta. Yeah.